Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Daily Premier League action and reaction. This is Football Social Daily. It's all to play for in Europe, whether it be Germany or Rome, will West Ham or Leicester bring it home? And by bring it home, I mean the chance to play in a final, of course. The Hammers are 2-1 behind in their Europa League semi-first leg at home to Eintracht Frankfurt after last night's result at London Stadium. Meanwhile, a couple of hundred miles away in Leicester, the Romans came, but they couldn't conquer. Honours even with that game finishing one apiece heading into the reverse leg at the Stadio Olimpico next week. Not often we're talking about European football on Football Social Daily and Manchester United and Chelsea aren't in the conversation, but one man who's always a talking point is Cristiano Ronaldo. United's famous number seven on the score sheet again last night as the Blues go back to the bridge with a point. 1-1 in ended at Old Trafford in the Premier League yesterday too. We'll dissect all of the action from yesterday's games on your award-winning Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily. My name's Niall and with me this morning, our solid centre-back pairing of Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor. Morning, boys. <laughs> Morning. Imagine me at centre-back. Imagine me losing every header at centre-back. I can't imagine you, Marley, but for some reason, Joel, I, I think you would make quite a good centre-back. I just think it's because you're tall. That's just heightism, Niall. I think I'm a bit more of a nice holding midfielder, dictating play. Protect Marley in case he gets run out. You need to, you need to be quite nimble as a holding midfield player. I mean, unless you're more like a Nemanja Matic type figure, because he's pretty tall. I, he's probably quicker no, got, in uh, over fifty meters than uh, Nemanja Matic is. 
<laughs> yeah, he's sluggish. Running Honestly, I'm still waiting to see Joel play football because he's talked himself up quite a lot. You know, apparently he's this uh, rangy central midfield player. He's also a, a ridiculously good goal scorer. Listen, anything for the team. I'm adaptable. I'm dynamic. <laughs> I can switch it up. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, we're going to move away from Fiverside and talk about European football that took place last night. Of course, West Ham and Leicester both in action, and it's at the London Stadium where we're going to start. As the Hammers hosted Frankfurt and they got off to the worst possible start to the game, Marley, didn't they? They conceded inside a minute. It's hard to put your finger on exactly what happened there. Maybe it was just a a bit of a lapse in concentration because, you know, the, the whistle goes and you're trying to get into the rhythm of the game. But in the blink of an eye, Frankfurt put the ball into the back post and they're 1-0 up. I mean, David Moyes must have had his head in his hands because they could barely have got off to a worse start. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was one of them. I think it was just nerves, and uh, you know the the whole occasion probably just got to got to West Ham a little bit, and it it got for a split second. I think it was Aaron Cresswell who just just switches off uh, the back post and lets uh, <clears throat> lets the wing back in behind him to to head the cross in because it's it's not a difficult one to defend. It's sort of a a low uh, like a slow curling cross, and it's not uh, it's not one of them undefendable crosses like. De Bruyne's for Man City the other weekend when he got uh, when he put it on Jesus's head from, you know, like from from way out. Um, it just sort of floated, and and Cresswell just goes to sleep for a split second, and, and that, that's what I think that's what nerves on a big game can do to you. Um, and you know, the quick start is exactly what you want as an away team if you're Frankfurt, you know. Um, but West Ham, they. They they dug in to be fair and they should have been level. In fact, they should have been ahead after twenty minutes. Like when they when they uh, got the equaliser, that was the, you know after they'd um, hit the mm. post through Bowen. Yeah. Um, and they they probably should have uh, got more from the game in as as a whole last night. But you know it's it's still not exactly dead with the uh, the lack of away goals now. You know they they're still in with a chance they can go and win by one goal in um, in Germany and you know take it to the uh, the nervy, horrible time that is extra time and penalties. If if mm. that's what they can uh, they can stick in and, and keep fighting. Do you think they showed Frankfurt a bit too much respect then, Marley, with the way that the game panned out? As you mentioned, Bowen hit the post, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But is it a case of West Ham maybe giving Frankfurt a little bit too much respect, or did the Germans play good football as well? Um, maybe because, yeah, maybe they, they weren't quite as like in the fa- in your faces as they usually are. West Ham, you know. I think against Leon they were everywhere. You know they were, they almost had that underdog mentality um, of like everyone expects us to go out here, so we're gonna, you know, give Leon a bloody nose as soon as we can and, and prove we deserve to be here type of thing. But maybe with Frankfurt, with it being with Frankfurt being like in inverted commas not as big as like a Leon or you know uh, coming off the back of the Barcelona win, probably giving them that little bit too much respect of well these lot of a decent, so we're gonna kind of, you know, ease ourselves into the game a bit. And Frankfurt came out with the opposite plan, like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go for it from from the word go and try and get an early goal to to sort of unsettle everybody. And 
that's that's ultimately what happened, I suppose. Let's talk about Jared Bowen then, because as Marley rightly says, he hits the post, and I think that might have even taken a flick off of the goalkeeper's toes as well, having looked at the uh, the highlights again this morning. Uh, they also hit the crossbar, Joel, with some ridiculous skill from Bowen right at the death that could have easily made it 2-2 heading into the reverse leg over in Germany. Uh, he'll be replaying some of those chances in his head all night last night. You know, it could have been so different. They could have even, as Marley says, gone into the reverse leg in the lead. Yeah, the game could have probably finished about 3-3, the amount of bars that were hit. Probably more bars than on a bank holiday Monday. Um, it was just <laughs> a ridiculous amount of chances for both sides. And on the podcast yesterday, I did mention the fact that I was worried that West Ham would come out a little bit startled. Not because much towards the occasion, but the fact that I think Frankfurt are just brimming with confidence after winning at the new Camp. And it kind of showed in the first minute because I remember seeing Declan Rice kind of just jogging around a little bit um, when the Frankfurt player floated the crossing at the back post for them to score in the first minute. It seemed like they were a little bit startled and it took them a long time to ease into the game. And then suddenly they were both both teams were playing really good football, to be fair. And like I say, it probably could have ended 3-3 on another day um, had the bar been an inch to the left or an inch to the right. Um they have left it all to do. It's going to be very, very difficult. I think the best part about this result is the fact that there's no away goals now. I think if the option was away goals, it would have been a ridiculous task trying to get a result over there. Uh, as we've seen, they took around 40,000 fans to the new Camp, so they're going to be all of their fans in the stadium. It's going to be probably electric next week. But yeah, I mean, on another day... A lot more could have gone in. I think the best thing they can take from that game is the fact that they were creating chances and they were very, very close. So uh, Frankfurt can definitely be gotten at. Um, and I think that's encouraging going into the next game for sure. And they'll be able to understand exactly how to go about them as well. Because I think Frankfurt were a little different to how they approached the game compared to Sevilla or to Lyon, where Sevilla and Lyon were a little bit more proactive in their play. They kind of dominated possession a little bit more, whereas Frankfurt were a little bit off the foot, counter-attacking. So it's going to be interesting next week to see how the pendulum shifts. Yeah, it's still all to play for in Frankfurt in seven days' time or six days' time as we're recording this show now. I think it's interesting what Joel says there, Marley, about Sevilla and Lyon, who were probably expected to be the sides that got through to the later stages of the Europa League. Indeed, Barcelona, rather than the likes of Frankfurt and the likes of West Ham. So I guess that makes for quite an entertaining spectacle in the main, just because there are two sides here, Frankfurt and the Hammers, that probably weren't expecting to, to be this far in a European competition you know, 12 months ago and here they are. So I guess there's a little bit of freedom and enjoyment to, to go with the games. Yeah, there is. Um, and it's, I think it's about how you, you use that. Cause I think some, some clubs, it can just cripple them. Like they, 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 they don't play the game and um, some other teams thrive in it. You know, Frankfurt, I think they won one of the last nine games or something, uh, Frankfurt. And that was the Barcelona game. So in the league, they're not in great form, but you know, in the, um, in the Europa League, they're absolutely smashing it and sort of playing with a, a confidence and a freedom that they aren't aren't doing in the league. I think they're somewhere around mid-table uh, in the Bundesliga, so it's uh, it's very much all all the eggs are in the uh, in the Europa basket sort of thing. And uh, West Ham are, are almost similar, I suppose. You know, they're in better form in the league. They've still got things to fight for in the league, but I think um, you know any any West Ham fan would probably take a an eighth place finish if they could even just get to the final of of uh, of this competition because it's something that will you know live in the history books for for a long long time and in sort of inspire generations of of West Ham fans who are growing up 
as kids now seeing West Ham get to European finals as a kid, you know, it only helps going forward um, and things like that. But I mean, if if Jared Bowen had, had stuck that had stuck that um, bicycle kick away, that would have mm. been the most ridiculous goal because the way he <laughs> caught it was just insane. Like how how clean he caught that and how square it hit the bar. And still managed to come back and not hit the goalkeeper in the back. Like it was just, it was probably the most unlucky strike I've ever seen. Um, and deserved the goal to be fair, because two two would have been a real knife edge. Um, but West Ham have work to do. But I don't, I don't think they're out of this because they had plenty of chances against Frankfurt. I think it would would have been worrying if West Ham scored against the runner play and got pretty much outplayed for ninety minutes. But I think they proved it many times that they can um, they can compete more than compete with. With Frankfurt, they hit the bar a couple of times. Um, they hit the pass through Ben Rama, I think, um, and hit the post through Bowen, and then hit the post through Bowen again at the end. So there's plenty of uh, near misses there that if they can capitalise on, they're, they're absolutely not out of this at all. Yeah, definitely still all to play for. Second leg will uh, be taking place next Thursday, of course, in the home of Eintracht. Frankfurt, West Ham will have to come from behind in the tie on aggregate as they trail by two goals to one. We're going to take a break from European football next and we're going to talk about the Premier League. Two heavyweights doing battle. United Chelsea is what I'm talking about. We'll talk about it after this. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League show. And as we career towards the bank holiday weekend, there was a sole Premier League fixture last night. Thursday evening saw Manchester United welcome Chelsea to Old Trafford. It finished 1-1. And do you think that was a fair result on the balance of play, Joel, between two sides who have stuttered recently? Yeah, it was the sole game and it was soul destroying. It was just another <laughs> typical game of just being resounded to what was going on in front of my eyes. I mean... Every single person at Old Trafford, I think, was pretty much accustomed to what was going to happen. Um, Chelsea dominated for a lot of the game. United looked like they didn't have a midfield. Everyone was playing freestyle football. Um, And it was just very, very... It was typical. This is the new United. It's very typical. It just feels like we're waiting and waiting for this team to be put down so we can just start again and begin the process of rebuilding everything. Um, but yet again, it was the problem. Cristiano Ronaldo, who was the problem for the other side and scored yet again. Um, I dread to think where this United side would be without his goals this season. It would have meant that 
the team would have to rely on Martial or Cavani or Rashford and judging from the way all of them are playing at the moment, it would have been a, a very poor story and I definitely believe that if Ronaldo would have gone to City, for example, I think they would have had the league wrapped up months ago. Um, it would have been... This is what I mean. It's, it's, it's strange how everyone loves to scapegoat a person, yet you have to look at the team behind him where they're not feeding him any support, any chances, and he still is so clinical and he's one chance at 37, um, and that that's the only chance he needs. And for Chelsea, it was one of the, the typical Alonso we were just discussing before the podcast. You can literally imagine Alonso's goals every time, just an absolute peach of a, a volley um, in slow motion, but... I think Chelsea were really unlucky to uh, to draw that game. They had so many chances, just really poor finishing. I think Reese James probably could have had around two. Uh, Mason Mount probably could have had one. And for United, honestly, the only chance I can remember is literally the Ronaldo goal. Um, so for me, it was a little bit better, a little. When I say little bit, a tiny bit of an improvement. Um, they were actually stringing a couple of passes together, but this is where we're at. It's just the bottom of the barrel football where everyone is literally waiting for these three games to be played and it's a bit bit of a sorry story. And obviously Rangnick is now apparently being confirmed as the Austrian manager in the next few hours. So it's just, yeah, it's all a very temporary and different feeling. There's going to be a lot of change and everyone's just waiting on that, I think. Yeah, I certainly think that what you say about Ronaldo is is true. You know, he he's someone who needs the chances to thrive. I mean, he's not the same player as we know as he was 12 years ago when he was at Old Trafford where he could pick the ball up on the halfway line, do 10 step overs, skin three players and then stick it in the top corner. That's not Ronaldo's game. He's developed into a more clinical centre forward really, hasn't he? And you just only need to look at some of the goals he scored from close range like the one against Arsenal where he just kind of shrugs his way around Gabriel and, and puts it in the back of the net from three or four yards out. This one, though, was a shade of the old Ronaldo where he brought it down, as you say, Joel, and volleyed it nicely beyond the goalkeeper. Um, that made it 1-1, I think. Um, and what do you make, Marley, of those suggestions that have kind of been following Ronaldo around all season that him signing for Manchester United this summer was a mistake? Because it seems like that narrative has quietened down recently, particularly with the last, I think, nine Manchester United goals. Eight of them have been scored by Ronaldo. It's crazy. Yeah, it's... um. It's it's funny what goals can do, isn't it? Because they tend to silence doubters every now and again, um, and you know people are saying this. You know, would they be better off without without Ronaldo? I, I dread to fear as for Man United fans where they would be this season without Ronaldo, um, because they're they're simply not creating enough chances for a striker as good as Ronaldo. If if they didn't have him, like there's no one else as good as him to take um, to take these chances that Man United are creating. Because they're so few and far between, you need a very, very clinical striker to do it. And Edinson Cavani just simply can't be arsed playing football anymore. He's played 10 minutes since, um, since I think it was Burnley um, at home, uh, 1-1. Uh, sorry, away at Turf Moor, drew 1-1 and it, um, he came off after about 70 minutes. Hasn't been seen since. Don't know whether he's injured, probably got a little calf yeah. strain he's made up or something but he just no, he is injured and he's back in training as of Friday which is today so it looks like it'll be too soon for the weekend I thought he would have been on his ranch in Uruguay <laughs> well he likes to go That's down the, the snake pass doesn't he in the Pennines and, and do a bit of fishing and, and walking in the wild uh, maybe he's got lost somewhere in the trees who knows Maybe, but he's the one who he just uh, he rules himself out every week, doesn't he? You know, he's like, I'm injured. I said, like, oh, okay, right, um, right. Who else we got? And it's like it's Ronaldo's just there, like playing pretty much every game, never getting injured. I think he's got what twenty, 
21 goals this season or something, and it's probably as bad a Man United team as he's, uh, certainly as he's ever played in, but as as bad as it's been for a, for a while. So I think it's just about getting to the end of the season um, and then bringing in, obviously, Ten Hag, who's going to come in and, and hopefully, um, for, for Man United's sake, uh, have a plan and have a something to uh, to sort of, some sort of grand idea to to get the team playing better because last night they were poor again. Chelsea should have won two or three, sorry, by two or three goals. Um, I think the only reason they didn't is because of their striking problems of their own because as much as Kai Havertz is a good player, I don't think he's a centre-forward. Um, I think an in, in an informed centre-forward, a confident centre-forward, even a even a confident Lukaku would have had um, would have had at least two goals last night. I think the one on one with De Gea, you know, a goalkeeper should never save a one on one. The striker should always finish it. Um, and then I think there was a header as well, um, which he which he should have scored. But that sums up where Chelsea are because um, they dominated the game, just couldn't couldn't kill off Man United. And it sums up Man United uh, at the minute that they were barely in the game, but the improvement was that they they nicked something out of it because. I think again, you know, the the mood around the club would have took another nose dive, if that was possible. If Chelsea had turned up and won three or four one, because I think uh, every Man United fans never looks forward to the end of the season as much as they are right now. To be fair, yeah, I think with Chelsea, will they be disappointed with a point, Joel? Considering how Manchester United have played lately, and I guess kind of to tie into that question, the vibe around the club. And from supporters that I get is that the season already feels over. And I've actually heard you say off of the podcast that you're quite keen just for the season to finish now so you can get Ten Hag in and start building for next year. So it's kind of a twofold question that does United's season feel over? Is there anything to be gained in the final few games? Uh, And secondly, do you think Chelsea would have been disappointed just to leave with a single point? Well, on the last question, I think any team is disappointed not to take anything against United at the moment. It's literally three points because it's so easy to get through the United team. It's the easiest game I think a team could could ask for this season. You only have to look at the fact that Everton beat United not so long ago and they've not won a game since. And I think that tells you everything you need to know. We're just easily beaten. Um, and <laughs> as for, had one game since. <laughs> well, no, they've had a couple. They had, I think they played Liverpool and then they played Chelsea. Oh, was it, oh, it was Leicester, won it? So it was two games. Yeah, 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 Leicester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, and they're not going to win a game again. We literally gave them the last opportunity to <laughs> dangle the carrot of Premier League survival. Um, but yeah, for me, it was literally the fact that the season's felt like it's been over for a long, long time. Just purely from the way that the attitude of the players on the pitch, the body language, just the lack of fight. I know Roy Keane always goes on about this very old school kind of, you know, you have to show fight on the pitch, fight, fight for the badge. But you know what? They're the foundations to a football player, regardless of how bad you're playing. If you can actually give a little bit on the pitch, which shows fans that your head's actually still in the season, then I don't think many people will have a problem. It's the fact that, even you can even look statistically, United are objectively working not as hard as other teams, and that's a massive problem. And for those who are going to be staying next season under Ten Hag, they're going to have a massive shock under his management because that Ajax side worked ridiculously hard. Um, when they counter press, when they lose the ball in the team's half, go and watch Ajax's highlights, and you'll see every single player has a job to do off the off the ball. Um, whereas this United side, if anyone watched it last night. 
You saw Ronaldo literally chasing after every ball. Rashford was jogging around like it was a testimonial. You had players behind him who didn't really know their role. They weren't pressing. Is is seriously pathetic, honestly. I would have. I'd rather have brought, put a fan on from the from the stands. At least they'll show a little bit of heart for two minutes. Um, but it's yeah, it's, it's a joke to be honest. And every single fan is just looking for the season to end now and just to be onwards and upwards because this season has been probably the lowest of the low for a United side in decades, I would say. Well, Alejandro Garnacho had a moment to remember last night. That is one positive for Manchester United, making his debut. The lad who seems to have really been the star of United's run to the FA Youth Cup final, which also takes place at Old Trafford very soon. Uh, he's been scoring loads of goals for the under-18s and been playing for the under-23s, but he was the latest off of the Carrington production line last night. Um, what a season he's had, by the way. You wouldn't have imagined a year ago when he was playing in pre-season friendlies at Staley Bridge that he would have been <laughs> making his United debut and being called up to the full Argentina squad, but that's how things quickly can change. So United won, Chelsea won a final score in the Premier League last night. We're going to turn our attentions to another Premier League club after this. And of course, European action for Leicester City as Roma, managed by Jose Mourinho, are in town. We'll pull that game apart next. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. This is the final part of today's Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League show, a new episode every single day of the season. If you hit subscribe that way, you won't miss one. And it is promising to be a really exciting run in till the end of the season. The Dugout, our show with former Premier League professionals, will be available later today. Trevor Stephen, a former Everton player who won the title in the 80s with the Toffees and Matt Jarvis, who was a record West Ham signing once upon a time. Two lively wingers joining me on the show and we'll be discussing everything from the potential to see European semi-finals change to a different format, to the transfer window, to all of the big games this weekend. So make sure you don't miss that one. But for now, let's look at one of the big games that took place last night. Instead of looking forward, Leicester City welcomed Roma to King Power Stadium. I think Leicester started this game the brighter but Roma scored first. They opened the scoring on 15 minutes through Lorenzo Pellegrini. Uh, but for me, the highlight for, for Roma was uh, Zaniola. thought he was very good. But Chris Smalling-Marley was absolutely outstanding. A number of really good blocks. He kept a close eye on Jamie Vardy, who was making his first start since returning from injury for Leicester. I think with Smalling, it's an example of how a change of scenery can work wonders for a player. Yeah, definitely. Um a nice little move to to Rome is is not a not a bad uh, not a bad move. I think you know you're coming out the the doom and gloom of Manchester, and you know it all went pear shaped for him at the end. I suppose you know it it wasn't very uh, wasn't an amicable ending in terms of sort of how he was treated by fans. You know he was scapegoated quite a lot. Um, he didn't have his best seasons to be fair, so there was sort of cause for 
for Man United fans to to lose patience with him. But as we're seeing now, you know, he wasn't he wasn't the big problem. There's there's bigger problems at Man United as we've just talked about. So, um, yeah, small in. I was glad to see him get get the move, you know, and uh, get back in the England setup. I think he only uh, didn't go to the uh, the tournament in the summer, the uh, the Euros, because of uh, injury. I think it was. Um, or did did he go? And because Southgate doesn't watch yeah, Southgate doesn't watch European games either. Yeah, same reason why Tamori should have went <laughs> as well. Um, yeah. I think he was in the he was in the squads like at one point, but then didn't didn't make the cut. But either way, I, I'm I'm not sure he he went to to Italy to get back in the England side. I think he went to Italy just to enjoy his football a bit more. And you know, I think I think it, I remember last season there was a there was a probably about four or five games in they were calling him Smaldini or Smaldini because yeah. he was defend he was playing that well and you know they loved him and he can mm. defend you know um, the and they were fascinated like- as well Marley by his vegan lifestyle because you've been to Italy as of you Joel and they're very um, traditional in the way that they eat <laughs> so there's a lot of products like cheese uh, and dairy and a lot of meat as well and when he first went over there they were like, "What? What do you mean you only eat plants? We don't, we don't understand it." So the press were like fascinated with his lifestyle. But um, there was one moment last night where he just made a ridiculous block, where I think it was Lookman yeah. in the first half. He was in the box. He he pulled the trigger with his left foot, and then I was convinced it was going in the corner. And then just out of nowhere, like a charging bull, Smalling just roared in front of it and blocked it behind for a corner. And I was just thinking, this guy. I mean, that's the best I've seen him play. And obviously, he was a Manchester United player for ten years. Yeah, he, he, the the block was in, incredible. To be fair, he he does literally come out of nowhere because you know it, it he's way away. Like if you do like a freeze frame of of when Luckman pulls his foot back, and then to where Smalling is, and yeah. then where the ball where the it's ball ends up hitting Smalling, you know, it's it's crazy crazy defending. But that just proves he's you know he's a player full of confidence. Is just a literal different player to to one that is that is struggling, you know. Mm. Um, you see, you see it happen all the time with with players. You look at um, look at Joel Linton at Newcastle. Had no confidence, and now he's turned into one of the best yeah. best midfielders in the league. And he's even scoring goals when you play him up front now. So, just different managers and different environments can just get it get the best out of you. And I think as much as Mourinho gets stick as well um, for maybe not quite producing. You know what he once did. You know if if um, if Jose Mourinho wants you and says you know come to Rome and be be my centre back, same way as he said to Tammy Abraham, come to uh, come to Rome, um, enjoy some sun and be be Roma's centre forward. You know they're both playing out the skin. They're both playing brilliantly, and I think that's a huge thing when. Jose Mourinho rings you and says, "Come and play with me. I want you." Like that's that's a huge thing for a player. And then you look at Chris Smalling and, you, and you're like, "I've worked with him before. I know what it, I know what he's like." Um, there's no surprises there. And then you look at what's happening at Man United, and the alternative, if he stayed, was just another another year getting ripped and getting memed by Man United fans on social media saying, "Oh, he's he's crap. We should have never signed him from Fulham ten years ago and yeah. all this stuff." Um, and it's no contest. Yeah, I mean, he's he's so much better. Than, than what he was um, sometimes it takes time or like I say a, a change of environment for a player to thrive I thought he was very very good last night but on the whole actually it was a bit of a back and forth game I think 1-1 was probably a fair result Adamola Lookman I think got the Leicester equaliser but it's being credited uh, as a 
Gianluca Mancini own goal. Regardless, it, it felt like they were the more likely side to go on and win it, Joel, after they, they got the equaliser. And instead it finished one apiece and they'll take that result back to the Stadio Olimpico. But, you know, they could easily, I think, have been heading to Rome 2-1 or three, even 3-1 in the lead. They, they seemed like the side that was putting the pressure on more than the opposition. Yeah, you'd think it's a pretty uphill task for Leicester now, especially we saw them in Italy a few months ago when they had to go to Naples to get a result. Um, and it's never the easiest game to go away to an Italian stadium, especially in Roma as well, and try and get a result. But they're the only British side who actually got a pretty positive result last night. So it's all to play for again. Um, I think 1-1 is a pretty fair result in the end, considering how both teams have some fairly good chances. Uh, but I think that in the next game, I think Tammy Abraham's going to really come into his own. Uh, just judging off that game yesterday, I think he had a few sniffs of goal, but nothing very, uh, very obvious. But he did a beautiful bit of play in the in one of the parts where he kind of did a body fake and then back heeled it yeah. uh, into Pellegrini, who uh, great save from, from Schmeichel. But I think that just shows he's, he's playing with ridiculous confidence. And it's like Marley said. Even when you look at, for example, Henrik Mkhitaryan at United, he was absolutely shadowed out by Mourinho. He didn't like him. He didn't think he fit the team. And now he's one of the best Roma players this season. He fits really well into his system. Um, mm. And he's a different player. So like you mentioned as well, Niall, it's the fact that sometimes a player and a manager don't belong together at one club in one system. But then when you change to example, Roma, who play a different way, different style, yeah. sometimes it's just the perfect storm. You just need the perfect combination of many, many different things. And I'm sure the aperitivo and the Aperol Spritz <laughs> is, um, is helping the situation a little bit. But I think mm. um, it just it just shows. And the fact that, for example, with Italian clubs, Chris Smalling and Henrik Mkhitaryan, to an extent, were very much scapegoated at United when there were yeah. deeper problems. But then when you go to an Italian side, as we've seen, for example, with Romelu Lukaku, if you perform for them and you show some heart and you show you're trying to get into the to the culture, because I know uh, Tamori at Milan, he's, mm. he's learned a very high level of Italian now. When you accept them, rather than treating it as a two-year holiday and then you're coming back to England, they'll take you in. Yeah. Lukaku had morals all around Milan. You have Mike, Mike Smalling, Chris Smalling, who is... Um, <laughs> Louis van Gaal's got into my head so much. Um, Chris Smalling, again, is a very accepted Roma player. <laughs> Chris Smalling, very accepted Roma player. Henrik Mkhitaryan, he's one of their own now. You'll be loved at a club if you can perform at an Italian club, whereas in England, they're very quick to dust you off to the side. So I think that's why they're loving yeah. it so much. They're, they're loved. In their in their city, and I think it's a, probably a great feeling going around Rome, and everyone's literally giving you free freebies of the gelato and the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're a Lazio fan, oh, yeah, they true, might true. probably try and poison it or something. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was there last night, and I must say that the Roma fans were absolutely sensational, as were the Leicester fans as well. The atmosphere was brilliant. It was one of those nights where you just think, "Wow, this is this is something special." And um, I was a little bit giddy because I was stood quite close to Jose Mourinho and uh, <laughs> I was thinking this guy is just the charisma. You can just feel it radiating off of him. And what's quite interesting is Mourinho has this reputation now um, in the Premier League as being this kind of miserable manager, this man who who kind of brings a dark cloud over football clubs and plays this negative part the bus style. Roma played a 3-4-3 system last night with wing-backs and then when they started getting pinned back by Leicester City he made changes, put a few more players behind the ball and managed to stem the flow and there was a lot of sort of 
uh, emotion and affection between Mourinho and Rogers last night. There was a a few hugs and a, a few embraces, and there was one moment where uh, a, a Roma player was down right at the end, and the physios were looking to come on, and Mourinho ran from one technical area straight past Brendan Rogers in the other technical area halfway up the touchline and grabbed the physio by the scruff of the neck as if to say, listen, we're trying to waste some time here. What are you doing coming on? And it was just the, the character of the man is incredible. But I think, again, we talk about players and, and smalling and the like, Marley, but I think that works with managers as well. Like what Joel said, you know, in in Rome, this guy's idolised because, you know, he won a treble with Inter. That had never been done before. This, this guy's sort of a, a messiah coming back to Italy. Um, and he seems to be really well loved and, you know, they've played a three-at-the-back system, which isn't something you'd normally associate with Mourinho, and it seems to be working well for them. Yeah, and I've, uh, I, th- I think he's, he said after the match that um, the match was too good to be the conference, conference league. So the conference <laughs> league, um, you know, organisers probably sat there going, oh, this is brilliant, what a great advert for the conference league. And, Mourinho. and then Mourinho comes out and just craps on it, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is t- typical Mourinho. But I think time, uh, time always sort of helps Mourinho um, because when he's not in the Premier League and you're not seeing him and his antics and the things he does every week you, you kind of um, mm. you kind of miss them and when he's there yeah. you know sometimes if you know like 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 what happened at Man United it did get sour towards the end and even his time at Chelsea before that and uh, his, his second spell at Chelsea I mean so it was a bit um, it does get a bit like that where you go when 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 he's sort of there every week. You go, oh, for God's sake, he's he's doing this, he's doing that, he's making excuses here, that here, there, and everywhere. But if you accept him as a as a manager, you know he's he's still top draw, he's still quality, um, he's yeah. still better than everything you've ever had before. Nine times out of ten, like same with like with Roma, you know he's probably yeah. the best manager. I think they've won one title in in I think they've won three titles in history. Roma and the last time they won a league was twenty years ago. Exactly, and, yeah, it was like two thousand and two thousand one, was it? Something like that when they had yeah. the young Totti and all the rest of it. So yeah, it's, you know, it's, since then, you know, Roma have been you know fifth sixth best side in the in the in Italy and to be fair they they still are but they're closing the gap um and you know they they could end up this this season with some sort of silverware um if if they win the conference league and they're in with the chance of doing that but Mourinho is key to it because he can he can galvanize a club and revitalize a club uh when he comes in and if you play for him he'll back you to the hill you know he'll be he'll be right behind you you know making you think you're the best player in the world and whether that's the case or not, if you think you're the best player in the world, you've got the, there's more confidence uh, than you ever would have before. You know what I mean? So he's uh, he's still got that man management, arguably better than anybody in the world. So that can only benefit whatever club he's working for. Yeah, I mean, he brought on Felix Afanijan last night, and that's the young 18-year-old that he bought a 700 quid pair of trainers for <laughs> when he scored his first couple of goals. So that. you talk about that man management, yeah, that's a great story from from Mourinho. So one one then Stadio Olimpico, six or seven days time from now. Um, I think Mourinho even mentioned after the game that he was quite glad that you know the second leg is in the Olimpico because that is, without sounding cringy uh, and without no any pun intended that that is their coliseum joel isn't it i mean at home roma are a difficult side to beat whether that be in Serie A, whether that be in european competition the supporters will get behind them there'll be tifos there'll be murals there'll be flags the atmosphere will be crackling um 
as you've mentioned already, it's going to be an uphill task for Leicester City. But Brendan Rodgers seemed pretty confident last night that his side are able to, to go there and get the job done. Yeah, 100%. I think regardless of this being the third tier European competition, Roma fans do not give a toss about that. They are, that, <laughs> like, that, a trophy is a trophy for them. And when you mm. look from their perspective that Juventus and Inter Milan have pretty much dominated their league for the last two decades, they've been nowhere near any European trophies. This is, this is a really big moment for them, um, especially because they'll end up being in the Europa League next year if they do go all the way and they're already in the Europa League places in Serie A so it's a big moment for them um, I just hope that Leicester aren't taking it less lightly than Roma are because as we saw when Mourinho was at United when he won the Europa League it was a massive achievement for him um, because it's, it's a trophy you have to respect the trophies they don't come along often and they're all difficult to win um, you have to have the right mentality regardless of the 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 status of it and the tier of it. Um, but yeah, like you say, the Olympico, their fans are incredible. Um, it's going to be a super fiercely contested game. Um, it's going to be probably a sellout, <laughs> which doesn't typically happen at the Olympico too much. But it'll be um, it'll be a very, very tough ask. It'll be the similar scenario to when uh, Leicester went to Naples. It's just a very, very tough place to go to, these stadiums. And a Mourinho team at home has always been difficult. Let's not forget, at Chelsea, he went, what was it, something like 86 games unbeaten over a seven, yeah. eight-year period. I think his Chelsea side still has the record for home Premier League games without defeat. I think Liverpool came pretty close last season or the season they won the title. Um, but it was still nowhere near Chelsea's record at Stamford Bridge, which I think was over two or three seasons that they, they didn't lose under Mourinho at Stamford Bridge. So, yeah, I mean, he does have the ability to turn stadiums into fortresses. Yeah, it's going to be. Um, it'll be a very good game to. Be, uh, but Leicester need to give it, give it a go. The good thing is, is the fact that there's no away goals, so they can really give it a go. There's no point sitting back. But I do think it'll be a case of Leicester biding the time because they know uh, Roma will probably have all the momentum at home going forward. Um, they're usually pretty proactive at home in the games that I've seen this season. So it's going to be a. It'll be a really good game, um, and both teams will be smelling the final, which is just one game away now. So. The, the, the prospects of a trophy, even for Leicester as well, is massive incentive. I'm just reading here a report saying that earlier this month, Mourinho broke the record for home games without defeat in Serie A. <laughs> so I think that well, bookends the point quite nicely. <laughs> um, certainly going to be fun uh, next week in the Stadio Olimpico and it'll be fun to see what happens between West Ham and Frankfurt as well I wonder what will happen in the Premier League this weekend you can take in our preview with former winger Matt Jarvis who used to play for West Ham and Wolves in the top flight and also Trevor Stephen who won the title twice at Goodison Park with Everton who are really struggling at the moment he's on the show with us as well that's the dugout out later today Friday night if you're listening in the UK maybe a little bit later wherever you are in the world if you hit subscribe that way you won't miss it that is it from us. Fergal will be back on Sunday to look across the Premier League fixtures. We won't be here for you on Monday because it's bank holiday and the lads are having a well-deserved day off. Uh, But the guys from Rose Ed will be taking over our feed with a rather unique podcast. So make sure you stick around for that. But Marley, Joel, thanks very much for your time. That's it for today and we'll catch you soon. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.